On today's edition of podcast, I sit down with Baba Began, uh, DFW's household name in the Nepali community. His outlook on life, him aspiring to be a monk as well as AC Milan, among other things. Enjoy. All right, guys, so we are joined by one of the best servants in the community, uh, professionally as a consultant for a consulting firm, a big soccer fan, and uh, someone who is big, massive in the DFW Nepali community. Um, none other than Began Nepali Devgada, uh, who has Nepali as his middle name. Welcome to the show, Began. Uh, uh, I see you everywhere uh, in, in DFW. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to the show, Prajwa. Um, uh-huh. I think you see me everywhere because I am. Every, I go to most events in DFW. Um, so before we begin in all that, what's so out of all these events, what was that event where you realized, okay, what I'm doing for the community, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for and I'm, I'm really proud of it. Was, was there a... Yeah, there was an event that uh, we did. I think this was back in 2015, 2016. Uh, I was still in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in 11th grade. We did a like little walk for Nepal uh, after the earthquake. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I remember. I wasn't there, but I saw it in, on yeah, Facebook. In, in Dallas. And we kind of organized it from like bottom, you know, from the like start all the way to the end, just mm-hmm. like a bunch of high school kids. I was like, hey, you know, this is actually making impacts, right? Whatever we do, it's not just helping us here, but it's helping people around the world to mm-hmm. maybe stay or have a better home or have a better life, right? So better life, that- recover from the earthquake as well. And for me, I've always stated the fact that, um, okay, you collect money, but my biggest fear would be whether that money goes to the actual people out there or not. Yeah, that that is a that is a big issue whenever you, you collect money events like these, right? But I think for us, we had a validation point because the mm-hmm. money was collected by the former ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Nepal, his oh, charity. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that and you know we we kind of we tr- entrusted him and his uh, charity to do the right thing, right? At the time, because he was the former ambassador. Yeah, uh, so basically, we had a security blanket in, in uh, a way. <laughs> I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was a collective effort. So, but it was, it was a, that, that was, I think that was the first event. I was like, yeah, this stuff I do, right. When I go out, you know, whether it's showing my face or, you know, actually doing the work, Mm -hmm. it it makes an impact, right? Yeah. So most definitely. And that's one of the facets that you have, um, among many. Uh, so uh, let's dive into the rest as well. So Let's let's start with uh, what what's going on right now in the summer. Like you, you get summer off, summer breaks, or what, what what's keeping you busy right now? Since there's no like soccer, Syria or anything. Yeah, I know that there is no soccer. I'm I'm an F1 fan too. There's some races here and there, so I'm oh, yeah. excited about that. And uh-huh. MLS is still going on. Um, Dallas but, is playing right now, but I mean, busy. Be honest. Like, who cares cares about MLS? I mean, I, you'd say that, but like, I have a Dallas till I die poster in my room. So, <laughs> oh yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I had FC Dallas merchandise all over oh, my yeah. room for sure. But I'm saying in a way that 
you don't really watch it every game. No, do I you? don't. I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really watch Me it. Me neither. Every, I think there's game. a subconscious love for FC Dallas that we all have here in the FW community. And we just check the score and hope, hope they win. We go to the games every now and then. But Yeah, you know. that that's one of the reasons. But and, and, but I, I, I agree with you that, it, that there isn't really much in the summer right now, right? It, uh-huh. it should have been the World Cup, but, you know, the World Cup is pushed back. So Exactly. One of my biggest regrets um which we could be watching soccer right now why do you have to move it to winter when there's so much going on nfl nba uh towards the end of mlb and all that and and you want to push the world cup into that just concentrate everything right that's something but yeah i i mean for right now you know i'm i'm I'm, well i guess for thursdays and saturdays evening i I actually Uh you know you're there with me too so we we go out and oh yeah of so, the kids coach um, in the Dallas Lakers uh, camp. Yeah, talking about co- co- service in the community. So Big Gen has been coaching the youths um, for Dallas Lakers soccer clinic uh, recently. And um, I've seen him out there and, and he puts his 110% out there. So let, let's let's talk about uh, the, the soccer clinic. Do you think it has helped? And personally, as, as a coach, what have you seen? What have you seen? The positives, the good, the bad. Yeah. Well, firstly, I'm gonna talk about the positives for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've noticed in me is like, I'm not a very um, like you know, I don't, I don't have a very commanding like kind of a you know conversational skill. But uh-huh. being there in front of like you know 15, 20 kids and trying to get their attention has really made me more little commanding in terms of uh-huh. my vocal. Uh-huh. Uh, and then another thing I've seen is like these kids, right? These kids they're gonna make friends forever because they came in this soccer camp, uh-huh. right? They, yeah. They're not not only are they just talking to end the camp, they you know they because they have shared interest, they're gonna mm-hmm. continue this conversation for next I don't know eight you know like lifelong, right? So I think that that's a big positive, and from just strictly a soccer point of view, I think we've helped them grow uh, a love for the game, right? Understanding what what it is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, how you should view the game from a really early age because we have kids from you know when they're like five till 13 14 right yes. so yes uh, i think it applies to all of us as well um especially a lot of our friends are from soccer and we we yeah. met them later in our careers but if you had met them at the age of 12 13 maybe we've had a lifetime uh long friendship so talk, you you tossed on you know helping the kids and all that you you, you like i said You've been in the community, and one thing I've always admired about you is that uh, that that positivity you have every time where, wherever you go. Like, how do you keep your like a straight face or like be positive yeah. all the time and just have have that energy going? Because I've I've rarely seen any people, any person have that kind of um, positivity in life. I I I don't really, I I'd say like from where I grew up, right? Like my background, it kind of helps to, to kind of bring that out. Um, and usually like I have a very optimistic point of view every uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. I got to be honest, right? I'm always looking on the brighter side. Maybe I'm a ho- like optimist. I'm very hopeful about things, uh-huh. uh, but I, I don't really know. I, that's something I've noticed about myself too. I'm a little too positive at, at times, right? It's, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if there's a boundary for that, but whenever I see you, it feels like, okay, how, I mean, although you're a junior, like, how, how is this guy always positive? How can I be as positive as in like that outlook in, in life? I think, I think 
that's why you're able to enjoy life more than others maybe um but yeah, it's still don't get me wrong it's, it's a great trait to have um so talking about when you toss about your background growing up um, so you came here at, at what age in the, in the united states uh i was i was i think i was 11 yeah i was i was 11 i came 11 years ago and i was 11 well i'm 20 oh. yeah so yeah it's kind of it gives my age right but yeah <laughs> um but um yeah i came in as 11 so i, I kind of had like a dual background right i grew up in nepal for like my formative years uh-huh. uh, and then like for my teenage years i kind of grew up in america so i've had like best of the both worlds maybe that that was like, maybe that's why i'm happy all the time because i got like yeah. best of the both worlds because mm-hmm. you saw the best of the both worlds so yeah. if, if you had a perfect age would, would 11 or 12 be the perfect age to move i would say so i think anywhere like in the middle school right like uh-huh. from fifth grade through seventh grade is probably the perfect time because you know you get to kind of have that transitioning phase uh-huh. um, and then you come into high school in america and then you had an elementary school background in nepal so it, it's right. a very it's a good like good transition uh-huh. so during that transition you probably had some culture shock what was the biggest culture shock you had yeah the biggest culture shock when i first moved like the the day i moved was on uh, october 29th and then like two days Halloween. later, it was Halloween. I was like, yo, what is this? <laughs> I remember in Neva, in, in TR, we used to go like, you know, door to door, right? Singing uh, Dilsi and Boilo. And uh-huh. I thought, I thought of it as, as that, but like, it was a little different because they were giving us free chocolate. I, I, I used to really like chocolate. Of course, like, who doesn't, right? Yeah, that is. I know. And yeah, uh, so I, I remember, um, Mama say Nepal for the first time. And I, I don't know how old I was. Um, he, he uh, got us some chocolates not a whole lot honestly not a shot at him but <laughs> you know and it's not never it's not never enough right so he yeah. bought those Reese's cups peanut butter cups and we didn't have it over there Whew, that was so good i mean i know I at, at that time i was like this great place amazing it's been two days i get unlimited chocolates right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like can we have this every day of the year yeah, I definitely that that was something that was in my mind at that time. But that was a big culture shock. And then secondly, like just from a size perspective, right? Like when I moved in, I was in sixth grade, and I walked into the class, and like this, you know, he later became one of my good friends. This guy didn't believe me that I was in sixth grade. He was like, "You, you look like you're in third grade," and I was like, "Yo, what are you talking about?" Right? <laughs> that was a very interesting like. I wouldn't say it was like a culture shock, but it was like shocking to me that people, you know, generally like in America, you are enrolled by your age rather than like where you are uh, in education. So I thought that was a little weird too. Yeah. Also uh, talking about you personally, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about your uh, tupi in a way. Oh Um, yeah. I I, I feel comfortable talking about it. So, so backstory behind it. I also had one. I sported one till I think, I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. I, I was nicknamed so much after it. You you wouldn't notice it, but it was so weird. I I embraced it, but then again, it was it was weird. I know if that I, makes I, sense. I you, you can see you can still see it. It, it. it doesn't feel weird to me because it's natural. I've had it since second grade, so it's like very natural thing for me, right? It's not like I don't I don't mind that I have it. Right? I feel uh-huh. comfortable with it. Uh, it's sort of become like my identity so it's very difficult for me to like disassociate with it uh-huh. right of course it, it becomes your identity but 
when I was in grade six till I think I had it till six or seventh grade and then I moved oh. on from it but part of me thinks I should have still kept it but it just I guess it's your preference right but for me it doesn't occur that I need to cut it right because I don't feel any discomfort around it so uh-huh yeah and- so uh you know nepal was against honey when you have a tupi you're like so religious like priest name on a person when you that doesn't mean to one name just because you have a tupi doesn't mean you're overtly religious too right this uh-huh. is just the way for me to kind of you know this i've had it this is part of me and you know i just i'll keep it there's it's just about choice rather than religion right uh-huh, for I, sure I think that's that's where we had right at, at this point in my juncture maybe i'd become more religious later on but you know as of now it's more of a so, choice so um so talking about religious do you think you you've always been religious or the the level of religiousness in you has like um changed over the course of time Have i you ever felt i that? I don't know how I felt. I know, like, you know, when, when we were in Nepal, right? Like, when all of us were in Nepal, we used to go, like, we used to see temples everywhere. We thought that was a common norm, uh-huh. right? Seeing people go to temple. And then when you move to America, you see people go to, like, churches, mosques, and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. it's definitely become a lot varied in that sense, right? Like, um, I've had other influences as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I've become a lot, lot more spiritual uh, than religious, right? I, I, I don't have a dogmatic, like perspective on one religion rather it's like okay mm-hmm. hey, why don't we look at everything you know try like be more spiritual rather than uh like based by the rather than the, by the books be more by the, like you know what is right at that time so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh so also on on that note yeah it's it's do you ever think that you would go back to nepal and uh, sorry in the religious mm-hmm. field because I think I remember you telling me a few years back, I don't know if I'm mistaken, that you'd go back and serve being a, being a guru of some sorts. I, I wouldn't say a guru, but I definitely had the inclinations to become a monk. <laughs> I still do, right? It's uh-huh. a, I think it's something very freeing, right? To like leave everything and go become like, just, you know, at, at one. And it could okay, so- be... Yeah. If you had to make a checklist of being a monk, so what what would be the the first few points? I think the first first I mean for me the first few point the first thing actually would be to truly understand myself, right? Like what I react to, what I don't, right? What goes in my head, like what I think about is right. Like firstly to find out what are my rights and what are my wrongs, right? Like uh-huh. in terms of the scale, what are my ethics, what are not, what are my morals, what are not, right? So um, more, more than that I think there's a there's a level of sacrifice involved, like personal, family sacrifice, and, and all that. So, um, so so let let's, let's just word it this way. So if you ever to if you were to become a monk, let's say at the age of let's say thirty or forty, so what would you want to accomplish by then? Okay, that that's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good question. I think by that time, I, I think I would want to. Do something. Well, I wouldn't say I, I've got to give you some points, right? And say do something. But I would want to be in a position where uh, things that I've done have made uh-huh. like lasting impacts on people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's like little kids, you know, or yeah, it, different it, ages, just yeah. have a positive impact on them, yeah, and maybe exactly. maybe some financial aspect as well. 
Um, financial aspect is a very it, it's like a very moving target, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, once you reach a certain financial status, you say, "Well, hey, let's push for more. Let's push for more." Uh-huh. Um, I think I don't really know how much like at, at that time, however much is, I think that's good enough, right? If you're so at forty, you say, well, I, I, "I believe financial free freedom or financial satisfaction is." There's not a point where you'll you'll reach that. It's it's kind of like a river. Like if you chase that river, it will it'll never stop. Yeah, I mean, you know? if you chase a river, you might you probably drown before you even find the end of it, right? So exactly. You know? <laughs> so, but but back to my point. So, it's you you wouldn't still discount it yet. Uh, yeah, I, I still don't discount it because I, I, I still sometimes joke with my uh, parents that, hey, I'm going to become a jogi, right? A monk. <laughs> so, and, and, and what's your parents' reaction? It's very negative. They get pretty mad because, you know, we have an expectation of like, hey, you when you grow up, you have a family and then you know, take care of the family and you go on about your life. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. so, become successful, yeah. become an engineer or a doctor, get a house, get married, have kids. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, think, then, I think, I think, you know, in our culture, let's say if, me or anyone would be to be a monk um, our parents or our families would get disappointed on us in, in various ways one of them yeah. would be not having kids yeah that, that's not a big getting one. married yeah th- those are big ones i think they they say that like you're you're like running away from life but the, but then again we come back to a question of what is life right like how do you, you know, exactly define... uh-huh. so i i and then it, it's just a it's a very difficult question to answer from a cultural perspective from yeah like- so so let's say if you were to become a monk and then you became satisfied so let's say there were two things okay you're you're about to be a monk you could only take two things from your house what would those two things be for my house uh, do you mean in a physical sense yeah, or physical sense yeah I, i'd definitely take a soccer ball because i'm <laughs> i <laughs> well I, there will be headlines in New York Times somewhere. A monk does, I don't know how many, like keepy ups, blah, 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 something like that. Yeah, no, no I'd definitely take a soccer ball. And uh, I think I would take a pen because, you know, I, I like to write. So mm-hmm. I, I can always write. I, I think, sure. you know, I, I can write about my experience. Um, and then soccer because, like a soccer ball because I just. Just because soccer, ball. yeah. Yeah. Just that, the word soccer is enough. And as we can, we'll continue uh, talking about soccer. Up next, we'll have uh, a, a brief discussion about his favorite team, favorite teams, in fact. And then he already talks up on F1. We'll definitely talk about F1 because F1 is coming in big, especially after Netflix Drive to Survive. We'll be right yep. back. All right, so we're back uh, with Began, with Baba Began, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Baba Began loves a uh, few few teams. I feel AC Milan is your favorite team, right? Yeah, that that is my favorite team. Uh, I'm so happy. I'm so so happy that we won this year, right? I know we we had we didn't have a really. I mean, we had a really old team, but we uh-huh. still had like one of the youngest team in Serie. Yeah, so um, the the Rossoneri of Italian yeah. soccer, Latin football. Um, before we begin into the squad or roster in general. What made you love um, AC Milan? I, I, there's only one player. It's Kaká, right? I, I remember Oof. when I was a... Yeah, uh-huh. this, this is way, way back. 2006 World Cup. It, it was a, I don't remember if it was a final or the semifinal. I'd seen 
um that at that time i i was a little kid i, I was i wasn't that like i was like maybe eight and nine i wasn't even eight and nine i was like I was more like six seven i'd seen my older cousins watch the game right it was uh-huh. raining i just remember the day like i i don't I'm just trying to remember if it, whether it was semifinal or it was, final. If, it, if it's Brazil, then they got knocked out in quarterfinals, I believe. I, I, I believe so. But um, I, I don't think that that was I, – I watched the Brazil game. I, I'm just talking about, like, how I became a Milan uh-huh, fan. Uh-huh. I knew uh-huh. play, uh-huh. and I'd seen Pirlo play at that time. And then I, I was like, you know, if a country plays this well, I wonder, like, how these teams play, right? Uh-huh. And. I, as I looked in more into, I had no idea about leagues, anything like that. Up until uh-huh. I moved to America, I'd only known international teams, right? I'd For known sure. about Premier League teams because they're popular in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I moved to America, I, you know, I started watching some of the YouTube videos and I saw Kaka play, right? And I thought, man, this guy's like really like happy when he plays, right? He's like, he kind of characterizes what I, I kind of want to play like, right? Great point, great point. Uh-huh. Always happy. Talking about Kaka, I mean, that's far. That's how far it, uh, AC Milan have fallen. I totally lost track of how where Kaka was back in the day. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah, he. I think at that point, and that, that's when I started following the team. Uh-huh. Unfortunately or fortunately, when I first started actually following them, that was the last time they won Syria, and that was with Ibrahimovic and Thiago Silva in the squad. Yeah, I think 11, back in 2010 and 11, yeah. Yeah, 10, 11, mm-hmm. right? Or, or 11, yeah. So that's when I first saw that, and then, um, and then fortunately, I mean, we, you know, 11 years, 12 years later, we won again. So, and Ibra is still there. That is, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's come a full circle. He's been to uh, PSC, Man United. And, and to U.S. as well, LA Galaxy, where everyone thought his career was over. But it, it, they come up full circle, AC Milan as well, not just Latin. But AC Milan, they went on a downward spiral. And I'm glad we have stayed with the team because I think uh, 2014 and 15 season personifies the lowest lows of AC Milan as a team. Because remember, remember, I remember growing up, AC Milan was a big, big club, right? I remember them playing Champions League finals and beyond measure. Kaka destroying all the other teams single-handedly and, and that famous red and black, right? And then 2014-15, they were 10th in the league. That's how far they were they fell. And continuously, they sucked in, 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 in brutal terms. But then again, AC Milan rose back up towards the end of the last decade. And now finally, they were second last year. And now this year, finally, they were able to grab that Serie A with the help of their manager, uh, Stefano Pioli, so much yeah. credit goes to him. I mean, um, AC Milan tried so many ways, right? And so many players, so many things they tried to spend didn't happen. But now they finally seem to have found something in that squad where it's it's a mixture of veterans and younger players. You know, when you talk about yeah. younger players, Brahim Diaz, uh, Fikayo Tomori in the back, Sandro Tonali, and then, you know, yeah. they, they, and, and the veterans, Giroud, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Frank Kessier, and then... Other others, did this? Yeah, Milan had a bit of ups and down. We we signed so many players. You know, we had a multiple ownership changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went through Berlusconi, and then it went to the the Chinese investors that came in, and then there was American hedge fund manager, uh-huh. um, just, you know, called Elwood and- Management, and then it's still owned by American the thing called Redbird Capital. It's just like they uh-huh. sold it recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it. For me, 
AC Milan's downfall kind of typifies the downfall of Sevilla, which we'll talk about a little later. But let's okay. focus on AC Milan because uh, they are a massive club. We already talked about it, right? But yeah. something happened in the middle. I feel like kind of even in life, sometimes you have to go, like you t- tend to end, end up going super low in order to get back. Yeah. And something. So for you, what, what was that thing that helped AC Milan get back to where they are right now? I think it's I think it's Gattuso. When he became a manager, he uh-huh. brought that. Like I remember, you know, we we had gone through multiple managers at that time, uh-huh. and we had no stability. Like we would have come couple of players come in, they'll do well uh-huh. for one or two months, and then they would go off, right? Mm-hmm. And when Gattuso came, like his mentality was very different from other people's because he 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 was like at at a point he was the club, uh-huh. right? He, he exemplified. He, yeah, he was the the face of the club in a way, and like you said, he built a culture in the club, a winning culture, which yeah. is so important, especially in a losing franchise or a losing team that has been losing for a while. It's hard. It's so hard to get that back on track. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Gattuso because he deserves a lot of credit, like you said, um, to, to br- bring the club back to where they are. So a few questions, quick, quick uh, answer questions uh, began here. Uh, your favorite current Milano? My favorite current Milano, Rafael Leal. Rafael Leal. I I could say Theo Hernandez too, but but just because what like mm-hmm. it's just that I love the way Leal plays. Everything about uh-huh. him, he's always happy. Like I I just love that vibe. Yeah, he typifies you as well. And he was a top scorer, I think, with fourteen goals last season. And he's definitely going to World Cup with Portugal. And that Portugal team is stacked. Yeah, it right. is pretty stacked. I and would uh, say- yeah. Oh. I would say Giroud too, just because I love the way he plays. Bro. This guy is... Ah, he, he plays just like he is. He's very beautiful. Uh-huh. He plays amazing. Yeah, he is. And we miss him at Arsenal, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, your all-time favorite, Milano. It's got to be Kaka. I don't even think anybody else comes close just... Maybe Ronaldinho, but they didn't. He didn't play long enough to long enough. Like yeah, and his club. career was already over. It was basically a retirement home for him. Yeah, pretty much. I remember, but there is a moment I want to tell you. I, I, this is you know, I've, I haven't really, I've seen this in like YouTube videos and stuff. I didn't see this live, but uh-huh. I really liked Pat Pato when he played with us. Uh, Bro, apparently he was Man. supposed to be the biggest, the best thing in the world. Yeah, best striker time. in the world. At age of 17 and or 18, yeah, uh, he had the world at his feet, Alexander Pato. And here we are now, ruining. We, yeah, we, I, his... I, yeah, he, he, I've seen this 24 second video, 24 seconds after kickoff. He scores uh-huh. from he takes a ball. It's against Barcelona, prime Barcelona team. You know, he, he scores uh-huh. against them. I was like, wow, this is he insane. had pace, the finishing ability, the technical ability, everything, but ruin himself. I'd right. say so. I think the the whole Brazilian group in in Milan. Yeah, like the whole Brazilian Kaka, culture, yeah, the drinking like culture and everything. Culture, partying culture, also, and he had a lot of injuries too. You know, yeah, that that didn't help. And injuries, it's because of that drinking habit. It, it, it yeah. kind of adds up. All right, so so if you had to pick one player each from top Italian sides, Juve. Napoli, um, and Inter. Who who did we? Well, for Juve, you'd be Chiesa, right? Um, Feder, uh, Feder, Federico Chiesa. Yeah, mm-hmm. Federico Chiesa. Because I, I don't, I think when he comes back, he's gonna be great. Uh, 
unfortunately, Eli didn't make it to the World Cup because he wasn't in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, oh, yeah. Italy, um, man. Back to back, too. Quite unfortunate. In- and how about Inter Milan? For Inter, uh, it might be a like really weird choice. Uh, it's uh-huh. got to be either um, it's got to be one of the defenders. The uh, I I think it's got to be De, De Verge or um, De, 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 De Vrij. Yeah, De Vrij. He he's been there for some time. Like he uh-huh. he's you don't really see him, but he's pretty. You know, he's been there for a really long time in uh, Inter. How about um, uh, let's say Napoli or you you could pick any the Roma. Roma, I'd say the manager. I, I'd say the manager. I think Jose Mourinho is a big. It's big. quite a character, yeah. Yeah. So he he's bigger than most players there. For in sure. Roma. But, yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there are like again, the Italian league doesn't have that many players that typify like the the gloriness of the the old age, right? We don't uh-huh. we don't hear about these presumably like really good players right we, we they're they're good enough but it's not like back in the day where everybody would come and play in the Serie A for right? sure for sure and that is a perfect segue into what I was trying to talk about earlier the the downfall of Serie A in a way so Jose Mourinho is, is a is a massive name right household name but he's kind of in the twilight of his career so um AC Milan or sorry AC Milan and even um the whole of Serie A they don't they don't, they're lagging behind. And I feel like we grew up at days where Premier League was going up exponentially, whereas um, Syria, after their heyday back in the 90s, they were going down. So what do they need to do? Like, what, what are the baby steps they need to do in order to get back? Because when you talk about financial power or even yeah. uh, getting the best of managers, I mean, Syria nowhere near the best, right? Even in Champions League, they've never really performed yeah, well they- recently. Yeah, they, they aren't close. I think they need to really follow the Bundesliga model, right? Like Bundesliga mm-hmm. isn't that great. Like you know, we don't really know much about it, but for them, like it's a it's a mm-hmm. very good economic model, right? Uh-huh. Um, I think in Bundesliga they have the fifty plus one. Fifty plus one rule. Rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we need to bring that back, right? Um, uh-huh. I, I think Italy had that too, and then they they took it out after I think in the mid two thousands. Yeah, I I think. In order to get the fans in the stadium, I saw statistics where the average attendance for Syria is way a lot lesser. It's like 50 or 60 percent or even 70 percent, which is nothing compared to German Bundesliga, Premier League, and La Liga. So I believe the first step is to get fans back in the stadium. Yep. And even I heard the stadiums are really old, so kind of yeah, developing the infrastructure. Yeah, I, I kind of just want to touch on the infrastructure. I, I think if you kind of look at like what happened with the Italian economy after the 90s, right? Like, just because my background is finance, you can kind of, like, chart the downfall of the, like, Italian economy and the downfall uh-huh. of Syria. Like, there's uh-huh. a very... I know it's, you know, cor- you know, correlation doesn't mean causation, but um, there is a very, like... There's a good correlation in, in terms of that, right? Um, so... It's, infrastructure is really old. Like, you know, talk about like 50, 60 years old of stadiums that have never, they haven't revamped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, again, I, I think first thing is to get the fans in the stadium because like then they're aware, okay, these stadiums suck, right? We need better mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, so, um, all right then. Let's take a quick break and then we'll do the final bit, uh, the, the most expected uh, Formula One part right okay. after this break.
All right, began. Uh, last but not the least, the the topic that you've been most looking forward to, the F1, the drive to survive and uh, from one. So, uh, who's gonna win this season? Of course, I think it's already a given. Yeah, Max Verstappen. But who is your favorite driver and why? Um, I, I, w- I haven't. My oh, my favorite driver is uh, Vettel. Because uh, well, so when he was at Ferrari, right, again, like, it's a bit, I'm a big Italian fan, big Italian theme, right? So uh-huh. um, at Ferrari, I, I remember he had be- he'd become a world champion before. But, like, his attitude is very, like, even though he's a driver, uh-huh. he's very positive and he, he wants to do everything, like, right. He, he wants to make sure everything's going well, right? Uh-huh. Um, so... He, and then the thing is, he's not just only interested in his driving, but he, you know, on, on the background part of it too, like the engineering aspects and things like that too. Uh, so I think that, he, yeah, what are you trying to say is he probably take care of all the all the drivers and all the engineers, and he, I think, looks at the the the, the humans aspect of Formula One more than any other drivers. Other drivers, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think and also. Also, uh, if you let, let's say if you were offered to to um, drive a Formula One car, which car would would you would you pick? Oh well, this season I, I don't. I I would love to drive the Ferrari car, but I, I think that the Red Bull car is better just because of uh, what they have changes coming in. The, you know, because this being Honda's last season as an engine supplier, I, I think they've got a kick to it. So. Because uh-huh. we're not gonna see Honda coming like for the next seasons, you know, we're not gonna mm-hmm. have a Honda engine anymore. So, for sure, yeah, we're we're looking uh, we're looking forward to the Austin Grand Prix um, later in October, and then next year I think we have the Las Vegas Night Grand Prix. Pretty yeah, exciting and, times. And the Miami one too. So there, there's gonna be three. Yeah, three in the United States, and I think from a, from a business perspective, it's it's it business sense. is booming. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah business is definitely. So, um, so one thing uh, that you'd like to get from Formula One to soccer, it's got to be the swagger. Like if you watch like the the you know post match, pre match stuff, the, just, just the stuff they 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 have right in terms of like preparation and things like that, it's a lot much more grander than like soccer stuff. And right? can we call Gunther the Jose Mourinho of Formula One? No, he hasn't won anything. I'm sorry, Gunther, but like <laughs> maybe Toto. Old. Yeah, Toto. We could we could say Toto is uh you know Klopp because he's won stuff. He's German. His good smile. Yeah. So. And he, he whines every now and yeah, then. Yeah. Complains. He, he complains a lot. So yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So all right, began. We're heading towards the end of the show. Uh, always a pleasure to have you here. And before we go, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, hopefully still playing soccer, right? Um, and then, you know, I have a big map that I need to go, hope uh-huh. taking countries off the map, uh, traveling, meeting more new people, kind of seeing their part and always, you know, smiling. I, I think always that's, that's got to be so, a big push. Yeah, so since you said uh, you have a map in front of you, what would be the first country you'd visit if you had an opportunity? Um, the first country I'll go back to Czech Republic. I've been there. I love it. <laughs> it's an amazing place. So awesome, awesome. All right. Good luck with that. Good luck with everything you do for the community, for yourself, for your family. Uh, it was really a pleasure uh, yeah, talking with thank, you. Thank you so much. I uh, I had a great time uh, talking about you know my interest uh, and you had this was a great uh, a great environment to talk about stuff. Uh huh. For sure. All right then. I'll uh, see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Thank you.